Thursday, Kiseitze, Shir 42. We are discussing the fact that there is a uniform Messiah amongst the Yidden. What does that mean? That there's a uniform Messiah amongst the Yidden. Now listen to this. These things we take for granted and we don't realize what, it, what, how, how, what a Chiddush it is. He says, first of all, when we say there's a uniform Messiah amongst the Yidden, we mean the Yidden that follow the Torah Shabbat Peh, right? That's his point. His point is that the Torah Shabbat Peh wasn't changed. The ones that don't believe in the Torah Shabbat Peh don't count. The Karaim that we spoke about last night, Reform, Conservative, all these other fools, they, they, don't, they don't follow the Gemara. So they're not, he actually says it very sharp. He says, they can no more be called Jews than those who have converted to Islam or Buddhism. He says a Yid that's a reformed conservative Jew is equivalent to a Yid that has converted to Buddhism. I don't know if I would have a, the guts to say that, huh? Who? If he's Jewish and he's going to be punished for Averis that he does, but... I mean, if he's Mikadash and Ishish, he's Mikadashis. Yeah. It's just his wine is Yayanesech, his Shechita is not a good Shechita. You know, in those areas, he's not a Yid. He, he's Yisrael Mummer. He's called Yisrael Mummer. And he's Mikadash and Ishish. But a Chiddush to me was that he puts together a reform to someone that converted. That would be a hefty Chiddush for someone to say that. But that's what he says. And if you think about it, he's right. Because if you don't believe in Torah Shabbat, you're basically a kafir. So, it's the equivalent to a person converting to Islam. But then he says, any so now we're, so what we're talking about from from Yidin, regular Yidin, they keep that believe in the Gemara. He says one example: pre-Eitz Hadar. Right? What's a pre-Eitz Hadar? We don't know how we know what pre-Eitz Hadar is. There has not been a Yid in the history of Kalal Yisrael that disagree that it's an esrik. Where'd they get that from? The Pasuk doesn't say that's an esrik. It comes from Teresh Yet, wherever Yidin lived, all the countries that they lived, there was never any Yid that claimed that it was a different fruit besides an esrik. One example. Another example. There was never a Yid that claimed that Tefillin Shalyad should be more, should have more than one box, one chamber, and Tefillin Sharoish should have more than four. Or that the Tefillin should have any more than the four specified pieces of the Torah. It's not Mefurish in the Psukim, but everybody follows it. Tefillin is square. That's not also not Mefurish in the Torah. Leather strings, not Mefurish. Kesher shall Tefillin. And a different Kesher for, ter- for Tefillin Shalyad. Also not Mefurish. It's all clear-cut Messiah, and nobody disagrees with it. There's a mitzvah to be Ta'anu Esnaf Sheisechem on Yom Kippur. What does it mean, Ta'anu Esnaf Sheisechem? Torture yourself. What does it mean to torture yourself? Maybe it means to stand for six hours or stand in the heat or in the sun. Not one yid in the history ever claimed that this Enoi is anything different than fasting. It's a Torah Shabbat concept, but everyone, everyone understands it, everyone believes in it. Another example, the, the din to put a mezuzah 
on your doorpost. Doesn't say which psukim should be. Doesn't say which parashiyas should be written in mezuzah, not mefurish at least. And there's no every single yidin klal yisrael puts the same two parashiyas in mezuzah. The Torah says you're now allowed to cook a young goat in the milk of its mother. This could have been taken literally, but there has never been a yid anywhere that claims that it doesn't mean to cook together milk and meat. Of any animal, any uh, kosher animal. The Torah says you have to shecht. Kasher tzivisisa doesn't say anywhere had a shecht. Doesn't say anywhere in the Torah had a shecht. There was never a yid in history that claimed that an animal should be shechted in any other manner than cutting the neck. There are many, many other examples of this. But you see clearly that the Messiah is unchanged. No one ever dreamt of disagreeing with the Messiah. Now maybe somebody could claim that Yehuda Hanasi, who put together the Mishnayis, since he was so powerful, like we discussed in the uh, luminaries here, Yehuda Hanasi had almost ultimate power, so maybe he was able to set up certain laws that everyone was macabre. Maybe that's what happened. Yehuda Hanasi made it up. Right, maybe someone can argue that. He was a very powerful individual. It can't be, because Yehuda Hanasi lived in Eretz Yisrael which was part of the Roman Empire. In Bavel, there was a very powerful Yiddish Kehila that was under the Persians. The Romans and the Persians were always fighting with each other. No Yid in Eretz Israel, however powerful he could be, could force his opinion on anyone in Bavel. Do you think the Bavel communities, like the community of Naharda, which had continued uninterrupted from Golis Bavel for 500 years before. Golis Bavel. It was the second base of Mikdash. People, there were people that lived in Ahadah. They didn't come back to Eretz Yisrael. They, they went through the entire second base of Mikdash. They lived in Bavel. They had a 500 year uh, community in Bavel. Would anyone have remained silent if Rabbi Yehuda Anasi would have changed something in the Messiah? Right? Rabbi Yehuda Anasi didn't have, he had jurisdiction in Eretz Yisrael. And the Romans ruled in Eretz Yisrael, and he was friends with Antoninus, and therefore he had very, very, very strong power, which is what, which, which is what gave him the ability to write the Mishnayis, because he had un, uh, unchallenged power. But that was only in Eretz Yisrael, and Babel didn't exist. And even in Eretz Yisrael, you see that the Chachamim disagreed with Rabbi Yudha Nasi, not every time Rabbi Yudha Nasi said something that everyone accepted, there's machlaikis in all the time. See in the Gemara, Rabbi, Rabbanan, it's machlaikis. And he says there was never a statement that any Chacham made that was unquestioned. Even Moshe Rabbeinu was only untouchable when he delivered the Torah directly from the Rabbi Nishalev. When Moshe spoke on his own account, he was treated by Aaron and by the Talmidim, even though he was a great man. But, for example, when Moshe Rabbeinu was trying to figure out what happened to the Sayer HaChatas on the beginning of the Mishkan, there was a back and forth. Aaron disagreed with Moshe. He said, if his sons, Rahmal son, would have been Nifter on that day, would he have, was it the right thing for him to eat from the carbon? And Moshe Rabbeinu heard and he was masking. He wasn't ashamed to admit that Aaron was right. 
Aaron had the chutzpah to disagree with Moshe. He did. That's the way it always was. If Aaron felt that he was saying something wrong, he disagreed. There are numerous examples where you have Hillel, Rabbi Gamliel, Rabbi Shimon Gamliel, Rabbi Huda Nasi, that they were outvoted. We don't always pass in like Hillel, base Hillel. Hillel said things that don't always pass in like Hillel. We don't always pass like Shimon Gamliel. Another example, it says we have Mishnah, Tesefta, Midrashim, two Tamudim, Tamud Yushami, Tamud Bavli, hundreds of Chachamim that lived at the same time as Abihuda and Nasi and before him, Shkayachavitzchak. And even the unaccepted minority opinions are all recorded. Every single Shita that is ever brought is mentioned in the Mishnayis and the Gemara. The Yidin were always an Amkshayayrif. And they always argued. They didn't accept things just at face value. That's what Yidin always are. Right? You have six Yidin in a room, you have seven opinions. There was never an individual that would have been able to force Klal Yisrael to do something against their Messiah. Oh, so that's a big discussion. Is Am Kesherif considered a Mailer or not? In the Psukim, it seems to be a Chesar. But like every Midah, Every Mida has a Maila and a Chesarin. So the, the Psukim are using it as a Chesarin because in reference to the Egel, it was a Chesarin. But objectively speaking, I'm Kshayarif could be a huge Maila. And in this example, it's a sure Maila. They didn't give in. Klaizal didn't just accept things. You had to explain it to them. And they gave you a run for your money. And a Maila, if you have such a clear Messiah that nobody ever disagreed with, like the examples that he said, so obviously it's a real emes of Messiah, and obviously it's the truth, because no one else would be able to be mechadeshit without being unchallenged, like everybody else in history that was always unchallenged. The Torah says it was a Messiah. If it's a Messiah, the whole Klai Yisrael accepted it.